If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. If you like Inglorious Trexperts, you're going to love our new Trexperts briefing room where Darren and myself curate classic episodes of Star Trek with special guests from various Star Trek series talking about the episodes you love. I think that sounds great. Let's, well, I can't let's, wait to do it. Let's go see. What episodes are we doing, Darren? Well, I, we don't want to give it away. Okay. Well, then you need to watch Trexperts Briefing Room wherever you listen to Inglorious Trexperts and on the new Trexperts Briefing Room podcast feed. Don't miss it. Coming intermittently <laughs> in the coming weeks. Trexperts Briefing Room. It's what every real Trexpert needs. Hey, Darren, have you been watching us on uh, the Electric Now app? I have. I haven't recently because I, I, I watch you pretty much every week when we're doing these things. But yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's you know what I love about it's the Electric be, Now app? It's better it's on so video. It's so easy to use. It's, it's, it's better really on video. Easy. Download got, the app and you watch us. That's all there is to it. It's so and, simple. And a lot of other cool stuff, too. You go to the app store. It says Electric Now. You download it. And then it, in press, the United States, press the button. And there it is. There it is. And you can choose, you can bookmark it. There's plenty of other movies and TV show to enjoy and episodes of all your favorite electric surge podcasts. So why wait, download the electric now app and start enjoying us anytime. Welcome to Best Movies Never Made, the podcast where we explore interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. I am your co-host, Josh Miller, and with me, as always, is Mr. Steven Scarlatta. Uh, we're going to pick up our conversation about George Miller's Justice League movie right where we left off with our guests, Clark Wolf, Ed Greer, and Pat Casey. So now everyone's going to go up to Fortress of Solitude. They realize like people are watching us. We got to go somewhere. No one can watch us. The Flash is really stoked that they're going up to the yeah, Fortress. Everyone knows the Fortress of Solitude exists, but no one's ever been yeah. there. Uh, Flash like runs home. Uh, it, kind of interestingly weird scene where he's in bed with Iris and he like, uh, vibrates which happens a lot in the script and i guess for people who don't know the character the flash he can vibrate his body so fast that he like slips through the molecules of you know the wall and whatever uh and he like phases through his wife's body and it's kind of like she has an orgasm because of I, it. yeah erotic <laughs> phasing through people can i just i mean look Please I don't do. want to make it about gender here because whatever but as the only woman on this <laughs> zoom can I just say I loved this scene? I thought this scene was wonderful, actually. I know, and I don't speak for all, all the female kind. I don't, I don't. But, but, but all joking aside, I was like, this is 
clever in a way that if you had to put this on a summer 4th of July blockbuster weekend, you could put this scene in and it would be a lovely visual moment and it would be like a quote fingers intimate moment, but also adults slash women in the audience would look at this and go, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> I, 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 mm-hmm. I see you. I see you, Justice League. <laughs> but but not to assign too much meaning to it, but I liked this scene. I liked this scene. I thought it was clever. I thought, I, I, I really, I liked this. Well, and as we've said previously, it's like, uh, and for good reason, which will become more apparent as we keep moving along, it's like the Flash is the only character who they really make a character. Like, yes. he's the only character who, obviously we have Batman and Alfred, but like who are kind of seeing more of their life that is unrelated to the A plot of uh, the forming of the Justice League. Uh, to the point where it's also kind of weird. I mean, I guess he is unbelievably fast and is only gone for like a few minutes, but he is constantly just like, I'll be right back, you guys. And kind of just go for surprise. They didn't like show him just like looking around in a bookstore and being like, oh crap, right. I'm supposed to be saving the world. And Iris in this script is not interesting. Like she's just there to be like, I love you anyway. You annoy me and drive me crazy, but I still love you. And like, fine, whatever. Like, it is what it is. Fine. But the other thing that he does while he's here is like we have like an ongoing Wally plot where Barry has like a theory yeah. about OMAC. And he's like, Wally, you're a teenager. You got to hack into the Pentagon. And Wally's like, of course I can do that. Like every teenager. And Wally too. like puts on his flash suit and is like, I want to come help out. And Barry's, yeah, like, Barry's no. like, no. The thing you that I won't let you get killed. The thing that I really can't stand in movies or anything is when somebody super fast uses technology super fast. Like somehow it could like I understand that technically if you could press buttons on a keyboard super duper fast, technically the operations might happen pretty fast if you have a really fast computer. But there would be this threshold, you know, that's never apparent in any of these things. It's just like <laughs> I just want to see a super speedster typing real fast and its keys start popping up. It's like oh, shit, yeah. this is my fourth laptop this week. <laughs> yeah. Good point, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just speaking truth. It's just too hard on your equipment, man. You can't you can't superize your Walkman. You can't superize your keyboard. Uh, so they're up at the fortress. Um, Batman uh, also manages to like Alfred get some old timey computers together or something, uh, and they're able to kind of find out about OMAC stands for One Man Army Corps from world war ii super soldiers able to take on the nazis um he also realizes the rest are up at uh, the fortress of solitude we get to the fortress uh, i assume yeah, this batman is- has not interacted with the other the no, rest of the league at yet. all <laughs> uh and i don't know if this was ever in the comics it was definitely th- this presentation of the fortress of solitude at least as far as what we've seen in the movies uh, it seemed like there was gonna. It was a little bit more bat cavey as just all the stuff he had on there. Since we're so used to the classic Richard Donner, just kind of like endless white. Because uh, did there was this in the comic book where he's recreated the Smallville farmhouse? Like it's I don't like remember a, ever seeing that. I have that never in the seen comics. that before. I'm not that, an aficionado, but well, I, that that's in um that's in Kingdom Come. That's oh, something that they, they, they yanked out of Kingdom Come because well, obviously- yanked a bunch of stuff from Kingdom yeah, Come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that they yank from there. Yeah, Kingdom Come was good. I'll tell you what I want to see out of A Fortress of Solitude someday in one of these Superman reboots. 
the giant key that only Superman can lift to yes. open the door. <laughs> yes. We need the giant key. We, the, key the size of a bus. We had on DC Daily all of the weird, a lot of the weird props that were allegedly in the Batcave, like the giant penny, a giant dinosaur, like uh, all sorts of weird things. And I was like, I understand that I don't know all the comics, but I was kind of like, I've never seen or heard of this. This is wild. And the so, giant key that was new. Oh. Oh, man. I didn't I didn't know of that. It was like a staple back in like the 50s and 60s. Like my dad had a bunch of old Supermans and, that I found when I was a kid. I, oh man, they were so good. And I love those references. Like that's awesome. And so um, but I, I did have a note actually here that I really liked that he had recreated the Kent home. It's interesting. Yeah, it was a nice touch. It's basically the boring farmhouse scene from Age of Ultron, but in a way more interesting context where exciting things are happening at that point in the story. So it's just fun. Yeah, they're just sitting around inside a house, even though they're up at the the North Pole. Um, Yeah, they see Batman is coming. Uh, We cut back to Maxwell and Talia. Yeah, what if they put a band together and one man against the gods? Uh, and Maxwell, this becomes kind of a running uh, quote that all different characters say in different contexts. Just let's see what one man can do. A very strange theme to have for a team movie. (laughs) What? (laughs) No, yeah. Like one man can make a difference. That's like the Knight Rider theme. Although (laughs) that was always like what one man in a car can uh, make a difference. But and this one, they keep, yeah, they keep saying what one man can do, but it's like this, this is a freaking team movie, you guys. Uh, but yeah, uh, but I think they're also saying it pejoratively by the end, which is really interesting. Like it goes from like what one man can do to like uh, one man. We should let one man do a damn thing. There needs to be at least a couple <laughs> aliens, a some women, some young people. One, <laughs> one woman. That's not really all you need, Ed. Uh, and then we got a big, a big scene to read here. Clark, Pat, and Ed when Batman shows up. And reveals to them, uh, as added noted about that one splash page, uh, essentially the same idea where he's like, this it's all 59. me. Yeah, he's like, this is all yeah. my fault, you guys. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, this Superman is such a doofus. You'll hear from these lines. This guy's an idiot. All right, ready to go. But uh, we'll, <clears> let's, <throat> st- we'll start down here. Uh, the Superman steps in front of Batman, swallowing his anger. They try to stay calm. How do we turn it off? I don't know. I've tried. Where is this thing? I don't know. Tell us. I don't know. I cloaked it, hid its location, even from myself. It's gone. It's Superman's turn to lose it. He lifts Batman off his feet and slams him against the wall. Ah, how could you be so stupid? I I thought you were nonviolent. A fist attached to a slim, powerful forearm connects viciously with Batman's jaw, sending him staggering out of Superman's grasp, down to one knee. He is, but I'm not. Uh, Did she hit him? That was Green Lantern. (laughs) They're going to have to play multiple characters in this scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, nice shot, too. (laughs) Batman struggles to his feet with with major difficulty. The others get a good look at him. His left shoulder, his right knee, high-tech braces on both. Whatever happened to him, it was bad. Batman's reluctant, but he has to admit it. Everything. Uh, All those braces are from when he fought the OMAC in the movie theater. Yeah, the OMAC kicked his ass and then let him go. (laughs) It's called OMAC, some rotten vestige of an old military program. Robotic attack vehicles, psyops, nanotech. I knew it! Someone hijacked it, updated it. There's a human component now, some sort of 
transformation. It hit me. Flashes of light or flashes of last night's battle in his head. One minute it was a man and then it was a machine, a killing machine. I threw everything I had at it, everything I had, and it owned me. But it, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds it, it so owned me so hard, yeah, it made me look like a total noob. Batman, that sounds vaguely erotic. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but it spared you? Why? That's what I need to find out. He draws his cape around himself again, ready to go. As soon as you can, split up. No, we're stronger together. You think we're here by accident? We're here because it wants us here. I think you overestimate. Think about it, Clark. It used, it used the attack on John as bait to bring Aquaman up to the surface. It hit me as a distraction. Then Green Lantern and Aquaman at the same time? It knew I'd come to warn you. It's been one step ahead the whole time. You're wrong, Bruce. We're safe here. We've already got John back on his feet. And in a fishbowl, look at him. It's playing with us. How do you know all this? Because it's exactly how I would have done it. Dun, dun, dun. This stops them. He wears his guilt like a mask. Suddenly, there's music, a lo-fi hip-hop beat. The Flash remembers, pulls Iris's cell phone from his boot. Oh, yeah, in, that, in the scene where he phases through her. She's like, make sure to take your phone so I can text you and know where you are at all times. And he's, I'm going to just be like, baby, you got to go save the world. Like, come on. Uh, this seems, uh, th- none of the other guys have to bring their cell phone. But anyway, he's like, oh, sorry, that's me. I got it. Don't answer that. Lifts the receiver to his ear. Nah, it's cool. It's just my wife. Hi, honey. But it's not Iris. On his microfiber (laughs) tendril snakes out of the phone and slides right into his head. Follow the metallic probe. Basically, (laughs) shoots into his ear. Starts to, like, shock him. He starts phasing so super fast that he's going to, like, sink through the floor. He's like, oh, this isn't going to be good. Flash? And the shakes kick in big time. He drops to his knees, looking up, pleading, help. Hold him, hold him. Full molecular speed, the threshold of the speed force. Wonder Woman reaches for him, but she's too late. He slips right through her arms and slides down into the icy floor. God, and then this just keeps going. There's this whole thing where he's like falling through the center of the earth. And they're just like, oh no, wait. He's, he's going to whiplash back once he flies to the other end of the planet. So they like get ready to grab him when he pops back up. Wonder Woman. I like to think that like he flies out this out, like the, Antarctica so we can get a cameo from the Happy Feet penguins here. <laughs> that would have been great. Get Elijah Wood back. Uh, they're just tap dancing around. Um, so when he flies back at the other end, Wonder Woman, they, I guess, determined that when she uses her lasso or lariat, as they call it in this script, uh, he won't be able to phase through that. So she manages to lasso him uh, and it just like keeps on going <laughs> and and it's like gonna kill him because he's like using up so many calories yeah, he's like away. an insane amount of food as they usually do in the flash movies um so then they realize that like the thing had put something on his brain that they need to get out and there's this like whole... something going in your ear wrath of khan style yeah um... and, and green lantern even though he's lost all his confidence he has to use his ring to make a super microscopic like surgical equipment using and he's like Jones. blind the thing in his brain is like making him blind kind of yes yeah, so john jones is guarding him using his martian vis- vision as they, another micrometer down is a direction that martian manhunter gives him at 
at some point. Uh, they are able to successfully remove the super tiny thing. Uh, Flash turns back to normal. Uh, then they now they have to systematically do it to everyone else to remove the little tiny things that are on Aquaman's brain. Uh, same with Martian Manhunter. This kind of continues on over the course of numerous scenes. Past yeah, just this. a series of surgery scenes. We keep cutting back to yeah. them. Green Lantern fishing tiny microchips out of people's brains. Uh, this is, I know, Pat. Uh, whoa, my mic keeps going crazy. What's your problem, Mike? Uh, we Alfred manages to get Brother Eye back online and away from uh, Maxwell Lord. And he's like looking through. He's like, oh, all these profiles of everyone's weakness. They get to Batman's profile. And it's like, what's Batman's weakness? Love. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. This is where... <laughs> This is where I get super sweaty. This is where me and Clark are going to be sweaty together. This is ridiculous. Yes. That is ridiculous of all of the, as Clark beautifully stated earlier, his main weakness is his way of expressing love is let me refashion you into a shuriken that I can throw in the eyes of my enemies. That is his version of friendship. That's his version of relationships. And that's why, you know, nobody really lasts with him. And for you to say that the main way to get to him is love, you could have put a nanite in the, in the Joker's mouth. And when Batman punches him, that little bit of spit drops on Batman. That would be a more <laughs> effective way to get him than to get a, anybody to kiss him. You know what I mean? It's it's so ridiculous. Well, and like there's Great. a series of flashbacks of like all the well, girls he's ever it, dated Pat. in the comics. So it says we oh. see uh, Julie Madison, Silver St. Cloud, Vicky Vale, Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and finally Talia. Yeah, it's like fucking Silver St. Cloud was from like Steve Englehart's run in like the mid-70s. Like mm -hmm. nobody remembers who she is except for a gigantic dorks like me. Um, and like there's, they would just... In the movie, this is just they're flashing a bunch of women. Like, no one's going to recognize any of them unless it's Kim Bassinger, like classic footage of her or from Michelle the first Pfeiffer. movie. Exactly. Which actually, that would be cool if they were just all the girls from all the previous Batman movies. Maybe that's how you do it. I mean, that would, but, but it is true, though, like completely out of context, unless you are going to do some sort of, yeah, almost multiverse thing, because they at least made a lot of Batman movies. Him and Superman would be the one character. The two characters. Yeah, they show Uma uh, Thurman no. and Michelle Pfeiffer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but as it is, it's, it's like pretty meaningless and you're kind of just like, are, so these are all the ones he's loved or dated. If it's only dated, that's actually doesn't seem like that many, although I guess he's only 21. Uh, <laughs> Which also really doesn't do. make any sense. Yeah, well, what they would really well, do. Had, like Talia already slipped him the thing in the, <laughs> in the party earlier. I don't remember. Uh, we haven't shown that flashback yet. But she did, like, at that party, she was like, hey, Bruce, and, like, slipped him a microchip. No, it's like, it doesn't even quite make sense. I guess just Max like, Max Lord... could have given him something. Max, like, shook his hand earlier. Well, That's how so, easy it could have been to so get to that. here's what you're talking about. This is the scene where she plants the thing on him. Uh, this was, I think it says six months ago or something. It's... They're having like a big steamy sex scene. Uh, Talia devours him, a kiss like an animal, a kiss almost brutal in its passion. Batman pulls away his lip bleeding. He licks the blood away, throws his cape around her body and enveloping her with his darkness. Uh, as they fall Devour back. blood? Did Army Hammer write this scene? <laughs> as, as they fall back onto the bed, the kiss oh, repeats itself. 
the image playing over and over closer and closer lips teeth blood until we're close enough to see a tiny glint of metal a nanoscopic homing device in a bead of blood and batman's tongue taking it inside his body and this is what he's like oh shit so he's had that like so like inner- max could take him out at any point at any time Yeah, i like to imagine she slipped dennis quaid from inner space inside him and he's been <laughs> floating around in there this whole time trying to figure out how to talk to him uh, just- <laughs> uh we have a little moment here after uh, green lantern takes the nano device out of aquaman or Sorry, other way around. They save now. They save Green Lantern after everyone else has been saved. They save him, and he's like, "Thank you, Arthur." And Aquaman says, "Call me Aquaman," um, which, which is kind of weird. That didn't feel earned. No, well, he no, not at all. <laughs> that exchange was with Superman earlier, not Green Lantern. Like that's not a yeah. meaningful reversal. Um, <laughs> all right, but we got another. Uh, scene to read here so this is even though all this crazy stuff's happened they all basically kind of like split up for a down moment to strategize and the flash goes to planet krypton with wonder woman because as we established he needs to eat a crazy amount of calories at all times and he was just burning off stuff big time when he was falling through the center of the earth so uh you ready uh clark and pat i'm ready All right, interior planet, Krypton restaurant. Flash, digging in, rejuvenating, regaining his strength. Hmm, want some? She shakes her head. Guess uh, that's why they fit so nicely in the, or I guess that's why you fit so nicely in the costume. I've never understood the mortal male's need to objectify the female with, you ever look in the mirror? Hmm? Because if that's a problem, you might want to add a cape to the costume or I don't know, pants? Wonder Woman has to smile. It's right she has to smile. Cause, oh, you. Because <laughs> uh, that's, that's the way this movie's doing it. He's feeling better. Flash wipes his chin with a napkin. And here's... A chunk will kill you, Uncle Barry. It's Wally West. He's got a folder of papers in his hand. I'm sorry. Am I interrupting? Is this a date? Seriously, is it? Because Aunt Iris, I'm just saying. Flash blush is almost as red as his suit. It's not a date for Christ's sake. What are you doing here? How'd you find us? Something in the speed force. I always know where you are, but just a sec. Two Wonder Woman. Oh my God. You're Wonder Woman. The real Wonder Woman. While his eyes roll down his shirt front. I don't really know what that means. Uh... He smiles, a cro- he smiles a crooked late teenage smile. Wonder Woman looks to Flash. See, he's, or my nephew, Wally, he's, uh, you know. He is indeed. And Wally, don't objectify, okay? <laughs> what have you got? <laughs> Wally drops his folder on the table, slips into the booth. Well, you wanted to know Nano. Who's who, right? Who isn't is the better question. Who isn't is the better question. Wayne Enterprises, Solatron, Ambicorp, they're all into the little stuff. But first of all, I got to tell you, the government needs to get better encryption technology because I was in there pretty deep and I'm just a kid with an iPhone. But I turned up something interesting. Part of this OMAC project, you guys are going to love this. Dun, dun, dun. All teenagers are master hackers. Are Solatron and Ambicorp anything? Seems like you could have said other DC companies, Star Labs, Cord Enterprises, or, whatever. Yeah, something. A 2007 iPhone. Uh, yeah, that was the other thing. I was like, okay, <laughs> iPhones? All right. This scene was interesting on the heels of our Wonder Woman series and right. all the conversations we had there about, about 
her costume and how the movies choose to comment on the costume. Uh, but th- this one just has like a weird tone though, where he's just kind of being a creep, but I guess it's supposed to be charming in the context. Again, of the yeah, it's like Wonder Woman is a character where I feel like the public doesn't necessarily know what her deal is. And this movie never explains it even remotely. Right. They don't say no. anything about her coming to man's world from another place. It's just, she's just Wonder Woman. She exists for people to be like, wow, Wonder Woman, you're so hot. She's just like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you oh, slash kind of shut up, but not really. Oh, when you. you look at those images, like the promotion or the, the camera tests that came out like the the actual stills of the actress in the costume like she it looks like a halloween costume now um that has nothing to do with her it, it is just whatever the costume department was going for um it gal gadot in the first wonder woman movie specifically that outfit that she wears when she walks into no man's land looks like gladiator armor. Now, yes, it's shorter, but that's fine. Like it feels somehow okay. Whereas all of the iterations before that, for whatever reason, feel very much like fabric skirts and like, it just doesn't feel like it could ever live in a world. And I, yeah, it's tough. It's tough because like at the very least, at least this Diana isn't like, I'm hot, you know, like whatever there's, but, but her outfit is, we just, we don't know how to talk about it, everyone. We just don't know what to say. (laughs) But we follow this scene up with another great uh, scene with our really our, one of our only three female characters where we're Batman now finds Talia and confronts her. And he's like, why are you doing all this? The world's going to be destroyed. And she's like, because you threw me away. Um, (laughs) Wow. It's also not great. Pathetic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We get some more exposition back at Planet Krypton from Wally, where he's talking about how the army had this program where they were raising kids to be psychic soldiers. This was like the follow up to the OMAC program when that like didn't work. And we find out all the kids died except Jonah Wilkes, if you'll recall, was the kid we saw on a monitor earlier that Maxwell Lord was talking to. And that's when we reveal that Maxwell Lord is Jonah Wilkes. And I was also like, if this is going to be Jay, like 25. 40-year-old Jay Baruchel. I mean, I guess it was going to be like a real little kid was going to be the uh, picture of Jonah Wilkes. Just doesn't seem like there would have been a lot of growing. And Max is just basically getting revenge on the world for the fact that he was experimented on and turned into a super person. And then I guess used his powers to found his fast food empire. For the record, (laughs) like the the actors who in live action up until, okay, okay, so I understand the script was written in 2007, but like, you know, after the fact, Peter Facinelli plays Maxwell Lord on Supergirl. And Pedro Pascal has more recently played Maxwell Lord in Supergirl. Jay Baruchel is a departure from that type. And so I think that that is worth pointing out that whatever iteration this was looking to, that is just- And it is, like, it does make sense that they were like, oh, you know, the new billionaire model is now Mark Zuckerberg. And yes. But it's like- if Mark Zuckerberg had started a 
fast food chain. Like that's kind of the bizarre thing is they're not actually using the real world model for this type of super young billionaire. Well, I mean, and that was for the purposes of a plot twist well, we'll in this case. Yeah. But well, yeah, Pat, it's, it's still just, pretty stupid. As you Pedro Pascal saying, was a good Max Lord, even though they didn't, uh, they still didn't use Max Lord correctly. Okay. Yeah. And as Pat was just saying, now we get to a scene where Maxwell Lord shows up and signed to Batman revealing his evil plan. Uh, and he's like, I'm just doing what I was born to do. I'm completing the OMAC project, uh, which is a little still unclear since the OMAC project started to fight Nazis. But anyway, you get seats from around the world, all these world leaders and powerful rich people who we realize are all the same people who are at Bruce Wayne's birthday party start turning into OMACs. Um, OMAX attack Batman. Uh, cut back to as far as Pat being like, What are Martian Manhunter's powers? Audience member Martian Manhunter morphs into Batman because he's sensing Batman's like pain and can't help but to turn into him. Uh, they go to save Batman, Aquaman riding on the back of a killer whale like a boss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see, Superman and Wonder Man, Wonder Woman show up to save Batman. Wonder Woman calls Max Jonah Wilkes. He freaks out. He's like, you don't use that name. Jonah's dead. There's only Max now. Um, <laughs> Max Lord uses his awesome psychic powers to tap into Superman's brain. And we basically get the scene from the Zack Snyder movie where they bring Superman back to life, but now it's sort of like evil and everyone has to fight him. Um, and so this like uh, mind possessed version of Superman. Oh, cause he makes, makes Superman think that Wonder Woman killed Lois Lane or whatever. Using like that felt completely out of nowhere. Cause there'd been no mention of Lois exactly. and whatever. And it's like, it's more like he's just Superman. Why not just make it Max is controlling yeah, him yeah, and he's, he's controlling evil. him. That's, that's how it plays But I did like anyway. the scale of this. Cause even when they fight Superman and justice league, they're just like standing there oh, yeah. in a park. It's kind of cool. Off like, each other. They go in this one. Yeah. It's like Wonder Woman, like doinks Superman off the moon. It's Literally. like the special fight moves <laughs> from injustice. Like and, really ridiculous. And, and I would have loved to, see the george miller version of that can we, oh yeah what do you say clark no sorry just can we point out that um uh a, clearly these writers had never seen superman for the quest for peace because superman does fight nuclear man on the moon the flag i believe is involved and later when talia turns into the robot that also was reminiscent oh, that was of very superman, superman 3, three and so sure. i was like what is happening what is happening <laughs> in any of this sorry uh, george george lucas would call those rhyming i was rhyming <laughs> with the previous things earlier you see i, I guess i'm the apologist on here but uh, also this whole thing of uh real quick make making wonder woman have no characterization no characteristics except boy she can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with superman that's a truly male way of making her have agency and be a cool character is she's tough enough to fight Superman, man. She is a lot more powerful in this than like in Justice League, the one we got, the Joss Whedon version. It's like Superman's clearly much more powerful than Wonder Woman. And this mm -hmm. one, they go toe to toe and are basically evenly matched. Mm -hmm. And all the other heroes are nothing compared to the two and of them. And as Hector Navarro basically. would attest, that is sort of the point of Wonder Woman was 
it's Superman, but a lady. And that's why we sort of fudge the idea through the comics that she can kind of fly. I mean, we don't call it flying sometimes, but it, she can essentially fly. She's riding on the air. Exactly. Yes. And so, yeah, to your point, like in the, there is the intention of she's like Superman in those ways for sure. Yeah, they're going. Definitely. No, I was going to say, this is definitely my favorite part of the script, this whole sequence. I, yeah, I would have cool. loved to have seen this. Like this would have been the standout sequence. Uh, it- Fend the, the Justice League. I do like the scene when they're all fighting Superman. And no, it's he- the best scene. That's the that one moment. That's the best the moment in the whole movie. The coolest for part sure. of the whole movie. I'll just and also just really really quickly, I think what's interesting as well is they ne- they come up with a thing to take out Martian Manhunter, a thing to basically take out Batman, which is the program itself, a thing to take out the Flash, uh, and Green Lantern. They don't come up with anything to take out Wonder Woman until you count this manipulation of Superman. So it's like a put over for her. Like the only thing that could bother her at all would be Superman, Superman going crazy. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's, it's a very male way of going, see, we like the chicks. You know what I mean? It's, it's so weird. It's also weird in this fight. Uh, Aquaman comes in to help Wonder Woman by basically launching a wave of living sea creatures at Superman for <laughs> Superman to just like murder. And I'm just like all these poor it's perch, carp, barracuda, eels. I'm just like, oh man. Just get liquefied by Terminators yeah. under the water. <laughs> turned into little Lisa slurry. <laughs> so exactly. Um, so Maxwell Lord continues his monologuing uh, that he's just doing all this because nobody helped him and the other like kids from the OMAC projects. Like, you weren't there. No one was there. So I'm evil now and going to kill everybody. Um, oh, another kind of fun bit is that uh, Green Lantern makes a super green Superman with his ring to mm-hmm. fight Superman. And every time Superman punches green Superman, he gets bigger. And so eventually it's like, you know, giant Ant-Man. It's got like a big Kaiju green Superman. And I'm like, ah, I would have liked to see that. That's fun. Um, Maxwell Lord is like, the only way you can stop me is to kill me, which none of you ever do. Ha ha ha. Stupid assholes. Um, all is lost. And then here's another scene for the group to read. And Steve, you might be in this page 104. Steve will be playing uh, Martian Manhunter at some point here. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, do you want to do the scene description, Josh? Or will Clark will start us off here with the first Maxwell line at the top. All right. Where were you? Where were any of you when I needed you? In the last moment of his life, a darkness envelope envelops him from behind a black cape it engulfs him and the last words maxwell lord hears on this earth are right here (laughs) maxwell's neck breaks like the sickening snapping of twigs like knuckles popping no that was that was batman killing him and aquaman saying no (laughs) he drops dead wrapped in the shroud of batman's cape on superman the color returning to his eyes he relaxes his grip and wonder woman falls to the floor in a heap right across from batman he rises pulling the cape off maxwell's dead body straddling him he looks down what one man can do max She's wrecked, beaten, bleeding. Superman descends, confused and bleeding too. Sees Wonder Woman's crumpled form, tries to shake the dirt from his mind. Diana, what? 
He reaches for her, but she recoils in fear, crawls away from him, over to Aquaman, Green Lantern, the Martian, all wounded, damaged. Superman can't figure it out, finds Maxwell's dead body. No. What is this? Who did this? I did. You did? What? What had to be done. Superman shakes the fog off, rises to his feet. This time it's righteous anger. No, no. This isn't who we are. We never, never take a human life. That's unacceptable. Accept it. It's done. This makes you no better than him. Batman rushes Superman, gets in his face, the intensity of his whisper. You were killing her. Diana would be dead. This is a slap, a gut punch. What? Can I just point out that Superman's an idiot? This is so stupid. I'm sorry. (laughs) Half of Superman's lines are like, Superman is definitely the William Riker of this script. Okay, okay. Uh, What? Diana. Wonder Woman's still on the floor. Max is inside your mind. He turned you. You were. It was inhuman. Inhuman. Superman sees the burn marks, the blood, the others, their injuries, knows it's true, all of it. My God. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. He takes off his cape, wraps it around Wonder Woman. He touches Wonder Woman's face. Diana. She looks up at him, touches his wounds. They, wait, that she gave him, forgives him. It wasn't you, Cal. It wasn't you. Superman looks at Batman, the truth rushing in. Then you were right. He lowers his head in shame, a beat, then. It doesn't matter. It's over. But. Three words ring out in the silence. No, it's not. (gasps) That was Maxwell Lord. They all turn to the brother eye computer and Talia. Beloved. Transforming a network of cables enter her body. Tendrils lifting her up, pulling her into the giant computer, suspending her, embedding her. Her body heaves and shakes as she changes, becoming metallic, robotic, not an Omac, something else. She becomes Brother I. But, oh, and the voice that comes out is Maxwell Lords. It's just the beginning. The screen behind her flashes to people, regular people all over the world, in markets, restaurants, offices. You see what we've done together, the final evolution. The Omac project completed the relentless pursuit of perfection. All changing, morphing, rising, becoming Omax. Cut to Wembley Stadium, London. A soccer midfielder transforms in front of 70,000 spectators. An inner city playground, a kid on a rusty swing. And it will be perfect. No more war, even though the world was at peace. No (laughs) more conflict. No more death. Venice Beach, a girl in a bikini playing volleyball. Everyone, everywhere, thinking with one mind, one great mind. A Japanese nightclub, the DJ spinning records. Mine. I assume that's a Steve Aoki uh, cameo. (laughs) The control room scenes playing out on Brother Eye's screen. Maxwell Lord was just the mortal shell, but now... Batman, you've given me immortality! The whole world, Omax, everywhere. How? How's he doing it? How everywhere at once. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there must have been a typo in there, right? Uh, Max's voice from his robotic Talia. How? You give them the one thing they all want, what everyone needs. Dinner. 
on Batman getting it. The restaurants. Nasty ass planet Krypton. <laughs> it was in the food. <laughs> Maxwell Lord Special Chef Sauce, the most innocuous of delivery systems, over one million served. Could it be a million? One bite of the apple, and we all lost Eden. Superman, blow the computer. No, not with Talia. Destruct protocols, initiate. Metahuman elimination, priority one. All OMAC engage. The screen goes black and Talia slumps forward in her harness of wires. Then a single message blinking over and over. Commence OMAC war. Six pairs of eyes stare and flash barrels into the room. Okay. I have been all over the place and they're everywhere, every major city, and it's growing. We're going to need a massive response. He stops, takes in the devastation, the beaten heroes, the flashing message. What did I miss on Superman? If it's war he wants. And Wonder Woman. By all the gods, we'll give him war. So there is a lot to unpack. For yeah, this is a very that problematic is so scene. Stupid! I do not like this at all. Like clearly, I feel like someone at DC or Wonder Woman or or, or Warner Brothers, they were like the coolest thing we can possibly do with these DC characters is just have one of them snap a bad guy's neck because they have to. Like in the comics, Wonder Woman killed Max Lord in this scene. Basically, here they give it to Batman. The one guy who would is least likely to kill someone like this, because at least Wonder Woman's like a warrior. Then Superman does it to Zod in Man of Steel because they didn't get to do it in this one. They were like, Superman will do it. But the fact that Batman kills this guy in front of everyone, they're all like, how could you do that? We never kill people. And he's like, this time we do. And they're like, oh, my God, you're, you're right. right. You're right. Good Batman. point, Batman. <laughs> and then two seconds later, they're like, we could save the world by killing Talia an evil ninja and Batman's like, no, we never kill. Don't kill my girlfriend. <laughs> you just killed Max Lord 30 seconds ago, man. This is very hypocritical. Uh, and then Talia dies anyway. Uh, and Batman's yeah. like, I should have been a better man. They all also nerdily reveal to each other that they individually dreamed of teaming up <laughs> with each other someday. And the fans would have hated this Batman neck snapping <laughs> thing so bad too, right? I mean, the fans would have hated it, but also, and I, I just want to interject this point again, because it seems like my my job in this, Batman is getting jobbed out yet again. They couldn't <laughs> figure out some kind of cool way for him to contribute to the fight. So from behind, from a normal human person, he <laughs> snapped his neck. Like that's what Batman is for in this, is to, to attack people, normal guys from behind and snap their neck. took him out Rambo style. I mean, also, just by the way, yeah, Max can control minds, but he's not super powerful physically. Batman could have just knocked him out with a goddamn karate chop to the back of the neck like he does to 20, like, exactly. you know, unruly teenagers every night on the streets of Gotham. Oh, he's stealing some M&Ms. <laughs> and that the, the crux of his entire evil plan revolves around the popularity of, like, so he started a fast food chain so that he had a way to spread the OMAC 
Oh, it's not even a popular fast food no. chain. One million Millions served. And McDonald's has served like 10 billion, and man. And this is so like, this is so, you know, like, uh, uh, soil and green as people. It's so like, what? This is so stupid. I just like, I got to, okay. So there was a point when I was reading the script where in the beginning I was like, this is boring. This bores me. This is boring. Then in the middle, like, I was like, okay, I like the flash. Like we're doing some stuff, whatever. Then when we got to this part, I was like, this sucks. I hate this. <laughs> I, this is dumb. This is just stupid and dumb. And like, y'all know, I am no fan of Man of Steel. I don't like Man of Steel. And I, I have a lot of problems with the way that lots of things are handled. At the very least, at the very least, Kalel snaps Zod's neck because he's just going to keep killing people until you kill me. And here's a great example of I'm going to slice this lady in half with my laser eyes. And, and he's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. I kill you. Like, I don't think the moment's earned, but the logic I on paper at least makes sense here. This is just stupid. Like, I, I really don't like it. Yeah, you should have done the Vulcan neck pinch on him or whatever. <laughs> or literally anything. He smoke bombs him. He, as Pat said, karate chops him the way he does any other villain in the scenario. Like, it's so stupid. It's also weird that he, he has the power to super easily take over uh, Superman's mind and make him kill everybody. That almost seems like your supervillain plan. It's very just multi-layered all, all the things he's trying to accomplish. Yeah, he could have done that like while the other heroes were all, you know, hiding in bathtubs and couldn't see it stuff before they did all their super surgeries. That would have been the perfect time yeah. for Max to show up. And <laughs> okay, take Ed, what were you going to say? Oh, no, no, I agree with all of that. And I also think just off the top of my head, it's, it'd be just as stupid, but at least more visually interesting. If the OMAC, the first person that took over was Batman. And so Batman himself is beating up all of his friends with these advanced techniques. And we're like, whoa, Batman is A, super fresh, B, the most super of all of these guys, and C, yeah. they're going to have to get together to stop his, his things. But no, instead, they yeah, neuter him. We see how his plans are awesome, mm -hmm. whatever. He is using his contingency plans he came up with to defeat these other heroes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which would like put him over of like show why Batman should even be in the Justice League since he's just like a rich hobbyist, really. Right. But, but they, they insist this whole thing is called mortal because they're making fun of Batman. That Batman's yeah. mortal concerns, Batman's mortal limited thinking, Batman's one man versus team ethos are all what ruined everything. You know, which is kind of cool, but kind of not. It's kind of a horrible thing. Also, just the general superhero we never kill thing. Like, Marvel's done wisely to just, like, not even bring that up. Mm -hmm. Even though, yeah, like Captain America kills like 30 people every movie. Every time he like drop kicks someone through a wall, that person <laughs> dies five days later from internal injury. Here's, here's the thing with the I don't kill thing, especially with the DC heroes. If you're going to break that rule, you just have to build it into the character story arc meaning like meaning you could have still even given me the same man of steel movie but like kalel snaps Zod's neck he does this thing it's one of the last people from krypton like the whole deal and you show me kalel's grief and yeah, he feels bad that's about exactly it exactly right you show me that this essentially breaks kalel that he had to do this thing and fundamentally it is against him the same way that batman of course like has this code because Bra Batman was just running around killing fools then like 
that's a whole different character. But Batman has this code and this code means so much to him. You show yeah, me- Superman. I mean, that's a good point. In Man of Steel, it's like, it could be, he's just starting out as Superman. Exactly. He's never even thought about whether or not he's going to kill that's people. Exactly like, obviously, right. he hasn't going around killing people. Maybe it's because he killed Zod. He's like, I'm never going to kill anyone ever again. Exactly. That's not how I get down. It's so, it's right there. But well, anyway. I'm going to interject yeah. because I know Clark uh, has a heart out and get going. And I want to, we're basically one scene to read away yes. from being done. So finishing things up really quickly. Flash then gets turned into the OMAC Ultra and is the most powerful Omac, yet uh, everyone's going around fighting Green Lantern. There's a moment where he's like cracking open Omacs and releasing the humans inside, like Sonic the Hedgehog, freeing you know <laughs> woodland creatures from the games. Um, uh, and then uh, Flash realizes the only way to defeat this and get free is he's got to run so fast that he like crashes into the speed barrier. And we eventually realize why there are two Flashes in the movie and why they've made such a big deal of making Flash the only character we even remotely care about. Because then the Flash dies uh, and his like uniform then somehow like drifts. Yeah, the only way to get rid of Omac is to run so fast he gets absorbed into the speed force and Omac goes with him i think this was kind of complete nonsense yeah it makes uh, flimsy sense but then we realize at the end if everyone remembers that opened with that funeral where they implied that it was batman dead the only reason batman's not at that funeral is because he's going to visit like the flash's real grave somewhere to put a flower on it while all the other heroes are there um iris is bummed out Planet Krypton has gone out of business. Uh, and now let's read the very end of the movie here, which everyone is in. Interior Fortress of Solitude, Farmhouse Day. Everyone assembled, making decisions, big decisions about the future. My vote is yes. I'm with John. I'm in. I'd be honored. Wally? He's hesitant. I don't know. This should be Uncle Barry, not me. We want you with us, Flash. She used the name. She's given it to Wally, a gift. Okay, I'll try. Wonder Woman takes his gratitude with a gracious smile. Then count me in too. Uh, I can't read that last line. Next page. She turns to <laughs> Superman. He can barely meet her eyes. That, that should even have me after. But my vote is yes. Now yes. Now all eyes turn to Batman, standing apart from the others, alone among these heroes, and there's a silence. His answer, no. <laughs> a little of the air goes out of the room. No. <laughs> this isn't the time to go back in your cave to work alone. It's not that. He looks at the others, their strengths, their powers, at his own damaged body. I don't belong here with you, all of you. You have power. You have... I'm not the Batman. That's just a mask I wear. Pulls back pulls his, mask. his mask. I'm Bruce Wayne, and I have one weakness. I'm human. Revealing his human face, Superman says what they're all thinking. No, Bruce. That's your strength. Our strength. He looks him in the eye. He holds out his hand. And Batman, Bruce Wayne, takes it. A firm shake. A firm commitment to the future. Wonder Woman takes his hand, too. Then John. The others would, too. Except... Holy, what is that? 
Soup, is this a ComSat link you got there? Because is, is that thing real? He looks at Superman's old cabinet TV. It shows a satellite feed, a ComSat hookup monitoring outer space and descending on Earth, a creature, creature, freaky, alien, and looking mad as hell. It's got five tentacle legs and a vicious mouse of teeth, and it's huge. It looks like a starfish. Yeah, the size of Rhode Island looks like Starro here is headed right for us. And they all look around the room at each other, cautious smiles. Without a word, they gear up. The flash starts to vibrate, revving his engine. Green Lantern projects battle armor from his ring. Aquaman snaps his harpoon hand into place. John Jones pops metal spikes out all over his body. Batman pulls his bat mask back on tight. Wonder Woman clamps her Amazonian bracelets. Superman clenches his fists, fills up his chest. Let's do it. Together, and we fade out over the image of the Justice League launching themselves through outer space to battle Starro the Conqueror, who people might know from the cover of, I think, the first issue of Justice League. Um, tiny against its intergalactic mass, but they're strong and determined, and we know with utter certainty that they'll keep us all safe. The end! Yeah. Yay. Uh, and just, and just like, uh, I'll say it one last time. This relentless need to job out Batman pisses me off. This relentless mischaracterization. The whole point is his ego is so big that he knows for a fact he belongs with these super gods who could push planets because none of them are as smart as him. But his, his, his dashed off Joe Esterhouse writes a screenplay treatment on a napkin. Ideas destroyed them. You know what I mean? Yeah. That he, he does belong. He would always think he belongs. He would think he needs to be the leader, frankly. Exactly. He always thinks he's the leader. Batman always thinks he should be in charge and that he knows best. I was going to say, Clark. Yeah, and if they disagree uh, with him, then he quits and starts the Outsiders That's again. exactly right. Boom. Wait, Clark, I know you have to get going, and I'm yeah. sure Steve has a little more info to give us. But if you want to say goodbye to everyone, you can hop off when you need yes. to. Yes. Unfortunately, I do have to go. This has been such a treat. Um, and yeah, like, honestly, yes, this this has been a journey. Um, <laughs> the one thing I do want to compliment is is in um, in Barry's final sacrifice. They do, I think, arguably show they, they dedicate a lot of really lovely time to that. And um, the one line that I was like, okay, this gets me. And like, I definitely started crying when I was reading the script was just, you know, in the, in the fast paced nature of everything, Barry is able to stop everything. And he looks around after he's kissed Iris goodbye. We were and just he runs all the way home. Yes. But she's just like yeah, in the space between heartbeats, which yes. he talked set up earlier as being like the place where he's happy the speed zone whatever yes. and he does go home and he does look at iris and he does kiss say goodbye to her he kisses her goodbye there's a tear on her cheek but the line that really broke me when i was reading it was my god what a beautiful world and then he does this thing he saves the day he sacrifices himself and it was beautiful so you know that part i liked i want to don't want to be like a negative nancy um <laughs> But yeah, this Batman's tough, man. You know, like when, you know, and it's in the last thing I think I'll say to leave it at this, in my opinion, is that what I've learned from reading the script is that, you know, fans have a lot of problems with Batman when he's on the big screen. You know, there's a lot of criticisms about like, you know, um, Burton's 89 Batman and like, you know, further Batmans, but like 
I think what I learned from reading the script is this feels like the closest maybe I've seen to Batman from the comics in a screenplay and I don't like him as much. And so I understand <laughs> casting has a lot to do with that, but he's a really tough character to get right, especially when he's in a group dynamic. So I'm glad I read this and George Miller is a, we, we stand a George Miller. We love a George Miller. So I would have been curious what this looks like, but this was great. Thank you guys so much. For All having right, bye, Clark. Had a blast. Clark. Love y'all nerds. Take care. <laughs> bye. See you, Clark. Uh, yeah, we, we sort of breezed over Barry's death, but I thought that was actually the highlight of the movie. I yeah, mean, and that's the recreation of one of the most famous scenes from comic books ever of Flash's death in the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, where he has to run so fast to save the world that he fades away. And like Wally is kind of right behind him and gets to witness it. Green Lantern gives Flash the mantra of strongest will, bravest heart again, which is like gives Flash the juice up he needs. And they'd set something up earlier with Iris about saving he doesn't have to save the world, just the part with her in it. But then at the end, you know, it's like in order, she, she's in the whole world. He has to save the whole world and goes out doing that. And it was good. I felt like that part would have played really well, actually, even though, again, the idea that he's sending Omac into the speed force, it's like complete nonsense on like a plot level. But the emotions of that hit really well. I mean, I, my, as we've said before, I've my faith level in George Miller is such, and especially not knowing where this draft falls on the timeline, I still would just be curious what this would look like in his hands. Like how possibly he would have done this super action in such a mind boggling way. It would have blown all of our gourds. Cause that's what he does every single time he makes a movie. He just blows gourds all over the place. <laughs> blows gourds. But also I, I really think what's interesting about, uh, Homeboy Flash's death is very much like a crisis on infinite earths, right? In that story's uh, uh, the reason that they can get, uh, they, can, they can defeat the events of the crisis on infinite earths is that Barry sacrifices himself. And there's a classic, uh, but you know what ruined it in the screenplay for me is that somehow his super suit pops back never, out of the yeah, speed force and does a forest that. gump feather on the winds down into Batman's arms. Yeah, I was like, why like, wasn't that okay. destroyed? That didn't make sense like, to me. I was like, well, okay. And like, I, I always like, loved Wally West. I grew up with Wally West. And like in when he was the Flash, his whole thing was that Barry had been this perfect hero and Wally was kind of a screw up and a goof off, but he was always trying to like live up to Barry's noble example, which made Wally like a really compelling hero. The fact that he could, he could never be as good as Barry, but he always had to, he always had to try and do what Barry would have done. Mm -hmm. So no matter how much he failed, you know, it was like you were still with him because he had this great like sort of moral North Star and he was a terrific character. But now they kind of brought him back and now he's sort of a sad sack oh, in the comics these days. And one of the things I wanted to uh, note earlier, I think I even wrote it down, was once again, this script shows it's hurry up and get it over with nature. You made one of these people a character. You gave one of them an arc. You made one of them have a, sa a satisfying characterization, even in regular scenes that's not involved in, or like even when people talk about them, the Flash seems like more of a real character than Wonder Woman or any of the other characters. Or Martian and, Manhunter, who I don't think anyone would even learn that he's pretending to be a human cop and he's been doing this for years. Like you'd never exactly, pick up on that. Exactly. And then what do you do with that guy? Well, kill him and put his kid sister <laughs> in, 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 the, in the thing. You know, it's so funny. That's so funny. Well, Steve, uh, what info do we have of what happened next why why didn't we see this movie um all right so i'm just gonna do a, like a super quick 
yeah. recap. Um, in on oh, so in two thousand seven in February, this was announced: the Justice League of America, the movie. And then June fourteenth, the Hollywood Reporter announced the Avengers. And so I wanted to go back to that article. I'm bummed that Clark isn't here to hear this, but um, so the original article does state that Zach Penn was penning was. Zach Penn was penning. Zach Penn was writing a <laughs> script for the Avengers. And in the article, it says Robert Dellian Jr. Is, is at the moment is uh, shooting Iron Man. Um, Edward Norton is toplining the Hulk, which is going to be out, which is scheduled for summer. And it says a Thor script is being written by Mark Protosvich and Ant-Man is being developed by Edgar Wright. Marvel wants to wait until all those films have entered the market before unleashing the the Avengers. And it does say... So Captain America was like not yet scheduled. Like Cap kind of took Ant-Man's place. That's interesting. And Zach Penn did retain story or co-story by credit for the screenplay of the Avengers that did get made. Yes, he did. And in the, the article at the very ending says, should Marvel talk to Norton and Downey about starring in the Avengers is a question mark, you know? So at that time they were penning it, but I guess they weren't, I guess they were still on the fence or keeping it quiet that they were building it to do that because, you know, a lot of people don't realize how big and how, you know, that was never done before. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why they were attempting to do this. Well, and meanwhile, DC here was, yeah, yeah, recasting Batman for the Justice League rather than getting Christian Bale to be in it. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole different idea of how you do things. Exactly. And I always, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I always heard that, you know, Christian Bale wouldn't mind being uh, Batman in, you know. They probably just didn't want to pay him because they had to also, it's a big cast. In which case, I can see also why he's so annoyed. You're like, oh, you're taking my character and putting him in another big movie and not not paying me my quote to do it, replacing me with some gigantically tall, handsome 21-year-old cannibal. <laughs> That's not cool. Well, it's also like how this affected the storyline of The Dark Knight Rises if this did come out. would They wouldn't have been able to use the, the villain, right? Al Ghul, so... Oh, God, Talia was so wasted in this. Yeah, like, I feel so like that's enough, the audience. You'd be like, what's the deal with Talia? And they'd be like, oh, she's some girl. Like Batman you, was friends you never with feel like she's something? the queen of the ninjas, you know, the <laughs> world's deadliest assassin leader of the secret society. Like none of that gets. Yeah. And even, even no a idea. scene, even a scene of her doing her various ninja activities and then some unseen force takes out all her dudes and then rushes towards her and we cut away or something, you know, just something to show that she's dope and she can get over. No, no. She's just a scorned lady with, with microchips in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so dismissive and crappy. And uh, I, I just think it's interesting how DC has always almost seemingly from the get go been like, ah, eh, they'll get it. Like DC's thing is they'll get it. And Marvel's thing, ironically, Stan Lee's came up with that. I think Stan Lee or Jim Shooter, I don't really remember who, came up with that thing about every Marvel comic is somebody is somebody's first comic. But and DC I wish like, they still did it. Like I love in comics where just on the first page, even if there's like a standard blurb, you know, it's just like four explorers who were transformed by cosmic rays, you know, just mm-hmm. like giving, telling you what the hell is going on on the most basic level. So you can just pick up a thing and be like, what's up with this guy? 
Dude, what, um, what would the crawl be in this movie? Just like uh, a police detective that is also a, a Martian is that Martian Manhunter. He oh, is cool. Also, can, just for the record, I would love to just do a straight up Martian Manhunter movie. Yeah, I think cool. that would make a great solo mm-hmm. movie. It's that's like see- not so superhero-y. It's like mm-hmm. a weird sci-fi noir that's superhero-ish, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was going to say, and I can guarantee you after they tested this movie and it got <laughs> got overwhelming uh, complaints from like normal people who don't read comics, not understanding anything. They would have added a super long clunky opening narration explaining Mm. who all the different heroes were. I mean, like DC, like Suicide Squad, that movie was basically like repeatedly introducing like each character got like three different intro sequences like that are mostly reshoots. The same thing might have happened here. Yeah. And then, yeah. So like just as when we went from this to the real Justice League, yeah, we like the heads neck snapping went to Man of Steel. Like they got rid of Green Lantern because the Green Lantern movie came out after this and everybody hated it. But they were like, we still need a black hero. So they replaced him with Cyborg. But we should have just gone back to Black Green Lantern. Well, uh, well yeah, that's go ahead, crazy. Steve. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no worries. Okay. So, yeah. And so in, in June, the, the script was finished and it was announced that it was going to come out summer 09. And then George Miller was attached in September and they were going to prepare to shoot it in Australia. October, the casting happened. It was just this rush casting of 35, 40 actors in, the, in like two day period. George uh, Miller flew in from Australia to do that. And then on October 28th, uh, 2007 was weird. They, all, they announced that they were going to do a, a Green Lantern movie, Greg uh, Berlanti to direct. And, um, <laughs> and they said that it's not going to be a direct spinoff of the Justice League. And so that will be eventually turned into the, the Green Lantern movie that came out. Which was not directed by Berlanti, but he still had a screenplay credit on it, I yes. think, right? Yes, eventually uh, Martin Campbell is going to come on to that to direct. Martin Campbell, so yeah. So November, the writers' strike happens and stalls production. Was that two thousand seven or two thousand and eight? Two thousand seven, the writers' strike stalls the production of the Justice League, and then November second, all of a sudden, um, the guy who directed Fred Claus, uh, director David Dobkin, came aboard to came aboard. Flash, and it was designed to work off as a spinoff from Justice League. And when they asked which version of the Flash of the Flash would be in the flick, and he said Wally West. And so it was going to be a spinoff of the movie of the Justice League, and the tagline was going to be "You can't outrun yourself." I just got to stick up for David Dobkin, though. Just describing him as the director of Fred Claus is kind of an insult. Well, that's <laughs> I'm sorry. What else did he do? <laughs> The Wedding Crashers, Shanghai Nights, Eurovision. I'm going off of like the uh, Hollywood Reporter. That's what they put. Yeah, that's what they said. <laughs> Frank Close, director. I was like, let's at least like name some of his good movies. <laughs> well, those are good movies. Hey, some people probably like Frank Claus. I watched it. <laughs> I, like, I like Vince Vaughn. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, yeah. So Wally West was going to get his own uh, Justice League. Mo- uh, was going to get his own solo movie from this Um uh, Anton Yelchin. All right. And so November, um, Warner, so mid November, Warner Brothers is struggling because there's a writer's strike going on, and all these actors they put, they attach to the film. Like um, now their options are going to expire, you know, and the, the script needs some rewrites. And so there's some issues, and they changed the title 
around this time is when they kind of changed it to Justice League Mortal. My guess is because they're dealing with the Australian government and they don't want to put money into a movie called Justice League of America. So I, I, that's my theory on why they changed the title. I could be completely wrong. It is a bizarre title that it's meaningless to me, but they could have just called it Justice League. You don't need the America. Yeah, that's the same. All right. And then January um, 17th, Warner Brothers had disa- has disbanded its Justice League movie and they're having issues with the Australian government. So in, in, and this is going to happen for the next few months. It was something that um, Ed, you brought up earlier. It's just that um, if they could shoot in Australia, they were going to get this huge tax break, like a 40 percent rebate. And that's why like three of the cast members were Australian, like the crew was going to be Australian. But Australia was kind of like these big Hollywood companies are coming in and they're trying to take advantage of our, you know, so. I mean, that's, that, that is accurate. That's what they were doing. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but George Miller was arguing with them. You really wanted to make this movie. Um, And so that kind of goes on until the um, now in February, the writer's strike is off and the writers jump back on to start polishing the script and they try to push justice league ahead. And and in March, the end of March, they're still dealing with George Mill is still dealing with the Aussie screen biz, trying to get trying to see if they can, you know, get if he's still eligible. And um, so we're going to fast forward to May. Iron Man comes out June 9th. The first draft of Green Lantern is handed in June 13th. The Incredible Hulk comes out. And July 18th, uh, The Dark Knight is released. And then that weekend, um, Warner Brothers kind of makes an announcement that they want to do separate movies for Superman, (laughs) Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash. They're like, wait, we want to just do exactly what Marvel's doing and not what we were doing. And if you also, and also remember The Dark Knight, when it came out, it was massive. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I think the other thing that was probably happening around this behind the scenes is they were kind of positioning... Nolan and to a lesser extent Goyer as like the creative brain trust for all the DC stuff. Um, and they were probably like, this is stupid. <laughs> like why, why are you making this justice league movie? Um, Cause obviously they all kind of tapped out after man of steel, but they were very much involved in, the kind of crafting and the the dark gritty version. But it is interesting that DC was basically going to try and do the opposite of what Marvel had done. Like this, this justice league movie is a good setup for a Wally West flash spinoff. Like he's the one character who kind of comes out of here where you're like, what's going to happen to this yeah, guy? See more. Um, and then uh, September um, it's officially announced that um, justice league isn't happening. Superman is getting a darker reboot and uh, Warner brothers. Yeah. Just cause the dark Knight did so well. They're like, this is, everything's gotta be like dark Knight now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Warner brothers has quietly adopted Marvel's mo- model of releasing a single film for each character and then using those movies and their sequels to build up to a multi-character film. Uh, George Miller later came out in an interview and said, Justice League, oh, because they asked, uh, Hollywood Reporter asked him, are you were going to direct Man of Steel 2 or Justice League? What happened? And George Miller said, Justice League was the main one. And there was a really great script. And Warner said, let's do it. Let's do a Justice League. And I was really attracted to it. But there was a writer's strike looming. We had to cast it very quickly, which we did with Warner's casting people. 
and we cast it really quickly and we mounted it very quickly. And it depended on a start date and it depended on some new basic legis legislation that just had gone through a new Australian government, but it was just too big of a decision for them to make in the time. And it fell through the whole film fall through. We almost got there and it wasn't to be, but that happens a lot where a film lines up and the stars look like they're aligning and they didn't. Um, so I just really quick, summer 2009 is when it would have come out. And just to let the audience know, you know, just to imagine this movie could have came out the same summer as X-Men Origins, Wolverine, the Star Trek reboot, Terminator Salvation, Night, Night at the Museum 2, Drag Me to Hell, Up, The Hangover, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, Harry Potter, Half-Blood Prince, and G.I. Joe, Rise of the Cobra. That was all the movies out summer 2009 when this was supposed to be out. So this would have been intertwined with all that. Um, I feel like it might have done all right yeah. against that slate, actually. Yeah, it was kind of cute. Yeah, that, that always interests me. And then uh, February 2009, Martin Campbell steps in to direct Green Lantern. July 2009, Leonardo DiCaprio was going to produce Aquaman for Warner Brothers. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, May, 10, May 2010, Iron Man 2 comes out. And then um, March 2011, Warner Brothers says they'll reboot Batman franchise and Chris Nolan will produce. Also on the slate, Warner Brothers are films for The Flash, Wonder Woman, and they're going to spin off from a Justice League film. Um, May... Um, this like Batman reboot never occurred that Christopher Nolan was going to produce. No, that was the Batman. That's the one that's now event. Remember it was going to be then Ben Affleck became Batman and he was going to direct it. And then he mm. directed that movie. It didn't do so well. Yeah. And then he fell out and now then he dropped out of Batman. And now we got now. Now we're getting the Robert Pattinson one. Yes. Seven, the Batman seven movie, mm. which I'm kind of excited to check out. Yeah. So that was that announcement. And Thor came out, Green Lantern came out in 2011, didn't do well. And then Captain America came out and killed, you know, that's pretty wild summer from Marvel 2011, Thor and Captain America. And then 2012, the Avengers comes out, you know, and now um, then June 2012, Warner Brothers hires the, the writer of Gangster Squad, Will Be All, to write the Justice League film. And that starts the whole um, Justice League, you know, start. Yeah, we don't even need to get into that's become its whole. Oh, where what you say? Like, was that what then led to the Justice League movie we got? Yes. Yeah. Well, one last thing. This is because everyone talks about why is the why is this Justice League Snyder cut four hours? And just to remind people, when in 2014, when they put out their uh, their list of movies, the DC list. It was Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad in 2016, Wonder Woman and Justice League Part 1 in 2017, The Flash and Aquaman in 2018, Shazam and Justice League Part 2 in 2019, and then Cyborg and Green Lantern in 2020. So I'm, I, don't, I wonder about the Justice League Snyder Cut, if it's Part 1 and Part 2 or... Well because Pat and I have talked about this too, is be. that, you know, the whole idea of the Snyder cut was that he had revealed that he had on his laptop, like the finished version of his movie without any special effects or bells and whistles, but they spent like $70 million doing all these like reshoots. So it's like, if the movie was done, that means they're adding 
new stuff. Like this, mm. this isn't even. This isn't quote, really unquote, the Snyder yeah. cut. This is like the Snyder redo. Yeah, it's 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 the Snyder Mulligan doesn't have the same uh, hashtag value. <laughs> um, yeah, because I was kind of curious about how the Justice League part. I guess I have to delve into that more. I guess it's when they did. Remember that Highlander two Renegade cut? Did you ever watch that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I watched the the original Highlander two and thus avoided uh, yeah. watching yeah, any the part of that. I love that, but but just one one thing I wanted to say about the way not I don't really know a, as much about that Justice League script that you just said, uh, Steve. But that one was the hatching of this Justice League fights an evil kind of Justice League thing, or like something they're fighting is so big that it needs a, that it needs a bunch of movies, and and we need to avoid a history where I think Superman goes bad for a time, and he's under like Darkseid's thumb or something like that, and the heroes need to like stop that future from happening that that like in batman versus superman when batman had that dream that was like the big i think that was that screenplay by will what's his name uh beetle or whatever that one i think first introduces all that sort of jazz so like Zack snyder and them inherit stuff from mortal the whole dc brain trust you know uh inherit stuff from like maxwell lord having two names and being this guy whose nose bleeds when he gets that has lasted for 20 years until it well, got the nosebleed is from the comics that's what he you know but like in the comics like his nose would bleed but he would use it basically when talking someone into joining the justice league don't you want to join the justice league no 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 i don't want to it's like are you sure and they're like no yeah i do that seems great and then max would like wipe a little blood away from his yeah. nose i'm just saying that somebody like tropes. max was like harmless back then like i don't like that they turned him into this horrifying villain <laughs> I, I liked the old max <laughs> well, dude, kind well, of a lovable scumbag well dude he's like this gobot version of lex luther uh, well, the, the other interesting thing is like, hey, I had GoBots. <laughs> I did too, actually. I had both uh, Transformers and GoBots. But no, actually, my dad worked. My dad had the Seven Eleven, and I don't know if he pulled his like Italian connection to get me all the Transformer knockoffs. So I had all like uh, <laughs> had all the Transformers with the weird names. But anyway, um, in an alternative universe, if you really think about it, um, if he would have made Justice League and if it didn't do well, we wouldn't have got Fury Road because it looks like he cashed like his blank check of Happy Feet 1 and 2 to get Fury Road. You know? I'd much rather yeah. have Fury Road. Even even yeah. a really good version of this movie, I cannot imagine would be as spectacularly awesome as Fury Road. Yeah, and, and the scripts, to be fair, yeah, we don't know what draft this is or what was really yeah. going on and what they were really going to shoot. Like if George was that excited about it, probably it would have been... Um, better than what we just read which yeah. had some strong parts and some not so strong parts but was well, also knows, kind of maybe a this mess. was like they had to quickly get this out before the strike happened and as steve even noted when the strike was over they were going back in for more work so mm-hmm. maybe this mm-hmm. was just the like vomit draft where they had to shove all the ideas they had in there but that and that's why but that's why i was defending it a little bit because this to me reeks of between second and fifth draft of something <laughs> that's that's the era that it feels like that you know like the like that flash stuff is like oh we can't we did this flash stuff good now all we got to do is go back and do the character <laughs> rewrites on everybody else yeah, we gotta like do like a wonder woman pass and give her something cool mm-hmm. but like they hadn't done that yet yeah um yeah actually really quick it was something i sent to josh earlier you're you're this there was a version of this jay talked about jay barishal on a podcast and he said the first time you see wonder woman the opening scene on therm uh what's the name that i play therm uh, uh, 
Themisir, excuse me. It's just her on top of a steed, and she's about half a kilometer away from a minotaur. The minotaur's got a battle axe, and she just rushes him. All the Amazons are there cheering her on, and she beheads him. She gets off her steed, holds up the minotaur thing, and doesn't say a goddamn thing. And it's like, what, what, and, and it, and it's like, that's the Wonder Woman I want to see. It would have been special. Yeah, that was definitely not in this script. <laughs> yeah. I want to read that script. Yeah, because there's a concept art of her in Thermos. I don't know why I can't fucking say that place. There's like <laughs> concept art of her, like, you know, floating through there. And so that's not in the script either. So. Yeah, we don't even get to see Lobster Thermidor in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> or her. I mean, that would have been. I mean, her uh, beheading a minotaur sounds like something from Zack Snyder's movie. So I don't know. Uh, well, that's maybe a good place to wrap things up. Uh, and obviously, if anyone out there uh, has one of these other drafts of this uh, George Miller Justice League, we would very much like to see it. I want to see some beheadings. Um, guys, why don't you share your social media handles that you would like people to know? Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter as Pat underscore Casey, the letters Casey. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram, but not that active. But there I'm Pat Casey Superstar, name spelled out, all one word. Ed? Uh, I am at Ed Greer Destroys on Twitter and Instagram. On Instagram, you can check out my art. And uh, on Twitter, you can check out my tweets. And it'll tell you about my podcast, uh, The Greatest Pod, debuting, I think, in March, as well as Reboot It, my YouTube channel that's on right now. We're three seasons in. Nice. And uh, since Clark had to leave us a little early, you can find her on Twitter at Clark Wolf, uh, Wolf with an E on the end. You can find us on Twitter at Never Made Film and Instagram as just best movies never made. Also would recommend that you guys check out the Electric Now app, which is a free to download, free to watch um, app. You can get it on Roku and I think pretty much most other things. Uh, to watch free movies and TV shows, and more importantly, video from our podcast and the other podcasts on the Electric Surge Network, like the 430 Movie and Inglorious Trexperts. want to thank everyone here at Electric Surge, including Bill Ritter and our producers Mark A. Altman and Dean Devlin. Until next time, this is Josh Miller and... Steven Scarlatta. Saying, we won't see you at the movies. This is a production of the Electric Surge Network.